Take your Bibles, turn to Philippians 2. Pray that you're glad that you are here today. Pray that God has already blessed you as we've worshiped together and will in the moments ahead as we look at the scripture this morning. We've been looking at the cross. And today and next week, I want to look at a couple of passages, uh, especially on uh, the result of the cross and its work in us. And so today is on the product of the cross. I want to uh, look up here for just a second. I want to talk from Philippians about what does it mean to be unified in Christ, that it's the cross that brings us to a point of unity. And then I would like to... Uh, go from there to talk about a couple of specific things uh, for us as a church at Fullness, uh, how that unity will be played out. So just to kind of look forward to what the morning's going to hold. It's not, it's more of a teaching than uh, stories and illustrations. I just want to kind of get you prepped uh, to listen uh, intently, first of all, to the word, the foundation, because that is, it, it, it inhabits everything we do. That's who we are. We're a church that believes in the Word of God and the Spirit of God. That everything we do is defined by God's presence and by His truth in our lives. So as we look forward as a church to where God is leading us, we want to know that it is defined by and dictated by and encompassed by both His Spirit and His truth. In Corinthians it says, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We, we who were far away from God, have received forgiveness because of the cross, because of what Christ has done for us. We were sin, but now in his sight we're right. He, it happened because Christ took our sins on himself on the cross. As a result, we are the people of God. Now, please get this in your heart, get this in your life, get this in your mind. We are the people of God. And everything that that entails as a people, that we are that people. In Philippians 2, uh, verses 12 and following, the first 11 verses of Philippians 2 are that really, really famous chapter, that famous um, passage where it talks about having the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself. It talks about him humbling himself, humiliating himself, going to the cross, and therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name above every name. You know the passage I'm talking about, right? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. In light of that, he says, therefore, therefore, in light of all having this attitude, what Jesus did, he is Lord, he is Savior, he is ruler, therefore, my dear brothers, and let's just take this for us at fullness today, therefore, my dear friends, therefore, fullness, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. 
God wants you to receive who Jesus is and everything that he is. And now it's been placed, his presence is placed within you. And he says, now work out what God has done in you and continues to do in you. Participate with him in order to see his purposes accomplished in your life. What he's going to go on to say is, and this is so hard for us as Americans, we are individualistic thinkers. See, even when I've said to you right now, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, you're thinking, me, how do I work out my salvation with fear and trembling, right? And there is that aspect to it, but but Paul is really saying so much more. He's saying, church, people, do what God has called you to do. Therefore, church, friends, my dearly beloved, work out your salvation as the people of God with fear and trembling. What does it mean to be the people of God? What does it mean to be a group? What does it mean to be fullness? What does it mean to be a church? So this morning, try and, try and take off the lens of seeing everything about you and instead see it about us. We. How does this apply to us? Why is this thing of unity so important? Because that's really what he's going to talk about. Unity. Why is it such a big deal? So I'll just kind of I'm keep feeding things forward. He's going to talk about a picture of unity. What is un Why? Who is supposed to be the picture of unity? Who is it now? Why is it important? What is the purpose of this unity? And what will the result of it be like? And then I want to kind of, like I said, overlay that onto us as a specific congregation, us as fullness. So the first thing we're going to look at is a picture of unity. A picture of unity, looking at verses 14 and following, as he's talked about this great passage of Jesus, and therefore work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He goes on and says, do everything. <laughs> I should underline this like a hundred times in my Bible, and you should too. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. Paul is using the language here and he's borrowing it directly from Deuteronomy chapter 31 and 32 in which Moses gives a farewell address to the nation of Israel. And he, he describes the unfaithfulness of the wicked generation that has proceeded. Remember, Moses brought them out of Egypt. They went into the wilderness. They didn't take the promised land. They had to go back into the wilderness where they basically all died. Now they come back to the promised land. They're about to enter in. And Moses gives this farewell address to the people who are left, all the others, their bodies have been scattered over the desert. And he says to them in Deuteronomy chapter 32, God, his works are truth and all his ways are right. He is a faithful God and he is not unjust. Just and pure is the Lord. They sinned 
They who were not his children, full of fault, a crooked and depraved generation. Moses is saying, hey, those people that died, that were crooked and depraved, that generation, they were not God's children. They were not his people. I, I don't want to get into all the theological ramifications of this. Paul is going to bring it again. He's going to bring it back again in the book of Romans when he says, a person is not a true Israelite, a true Jew, just because he is born that way. He is that by faith. And it's always been faith from first to last. Just because these people were born Jewish doesn't mean they were really children of God. Because they were crooked, they were depraved, and they had no faith. But he said, what he's really saying to them is this. Look, why did God choose you? Why did God choose us? What are we to be a picture of? We're to be a picture of God's people. We're, we're to be a picture to those who look at us that there is God. There is a God, a one true God. In a, in a period of time where people were worshiping multiple gods, God chose Abraham, a man, to bear children who would then follow this one true God in faith, just as Father Abraham followed him. And they're going to be a picture to everybody else that there is a God. Now here's the problem. They failed. They failed miserably because they could never live up to this aspect of faith. So God removes his hand of blessing from the nation of Israel, and he transfers it to who? The church. We are now the people of God. We are the picture. Now, you may get, be caught, getting caught up in the theology about the whole Jewish church thing. Here's the point I hope you'll see, is that unity the church is to be this picture. It's what he said in Philippians, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. He says, you are to be blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. They were to be the picture, but now we are the picture, the church. We're to be a picture of unity. Now, let me lead on to why that's a big deal. Here's the purpose of unity. It's not just a, a picture of unity is not just to be this pretty picture that's hung on a wall that you then look at and see. There's a purpose behind it. And, he, and we've already read it. He says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. The first word in the Greek here. By the way, there's no the, there's no article. It just says everything, everything without complaining. Do everything. <clears throat> the word complaining here, it, it's used frequently in the Old Testament because there's a lot of complaining going on in the Old Testament, and God in his grace records it for us. And it's this idea that they just kept continually speaking negative words. <clears throat> the, word, the word in the Old Testament for meditation comes from the word 
murmur. And we think murmur means something bad, but it doesn't necessarily. Meditation means to repeat over and over again the goodness of God, to speak of the blessing of the Lord, to, to meditate on his word is to repeat his word continually because the more you repeat it, the more it becomes a part of you. It, it seeps inside of you. It changes you. It, 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 it makes you who you are. On the other hand, continually complaining does the exact same thing in the opposite direction. When we complain, when we argue, when we speak negative words over a long period of time, over and over again, it becomes a part of us. It just, it, you, we can't help it. You know, I, I have to confess, the more I dwell on the negative, the more I become negative. The more I start to see things through the lens of criticism, through the lens of negativity. <laughs> There's no spiritual gift of criticism. You fall in that ditch just plumb on your own. Um, Chesterton, G.K. Chesterton used to say this, it doesn't take anything for a dead thing to flow downstream, but it takes something alive to swim upstream against the current. People, we are alive in Christ. We are alive in Him. And, and when we speak words of life on a continual basis, when we speak words of blessing and it seeps into us and becomes part of us, we're like salmon swimming upstream. Against all odds, we're pressing forward. Because when we die, it ain't nothing to float downstream. And many of us, we're floating way too easy. It says in the Proverbs this, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above what? Above all else. Do you think this must be important? Guard your heart. Why? Because everything you say, everything you believe, it's going to flow from it. For some of us, we have let the guard down on our heart. In other words, we, it's, I'm not talking about not letting people into your I'm talking about we've not guarded the treasure that God has placed within us. Why is this such a big deal? Because the church is to be a picture of unity. The purpose of this unity is that we're to shine like stars. Shine, let you go. I mean, whatever the words are. <clears throat> I could never understand the words. When I saw it the other day and the words were coming across, I was like, I never knew what that guy was saying there. Some weird words in the in parts of it. Here, here's the point. We're to shine like stars against a dark night. Listen, I envy Adam going to the Grand Tetons this summer because when you get out there in places like that, no city lights, no nothing, and you look at the sky and you're like seven to 10,000 feet already of altitude. I mean, the stars are like 
stars. I mean, they're bright against the black night. That's the way the church is supposed to be. How do we get there? We get there because we know who we are in God. We've got this treasure in our hearts. We refuse to complain and argue. We speak words of life, and when we do, we're a picture of unity against the culture of darkness. We're going to stand out like light. People, is it possible that the reason we're losing so much ground is because we, we've become complainers? Not just, I'm not talking to you. I mean, you can look to your right or your left. You might have a complainer near you. But I'm just saying, as a church, we've lost the spirit of unity because we argue over everything. Universally and locally. You, if this is really the picture, you are to be pure and blameless, children of God without fault, together in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars. Okay, so the picture and the purpose, but there's a promise that comes as a result of this. But even if I am being poured out, Philippians 2, 17 says, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Now let me just hit this quick and hard. It's like, it's this. What is the result of this unity? Joy. Joy. I mean, if we're meditating on the goodness of God, if we're walking in unity, if we're stars in the night, then Paul says, it doesn't matter how bad life is, you're going to experience joy now and in the future. Joy. Paul's saying, I'm going through some bad things. I'm suffering. But I am glad and I rejoice because we're walking in unity together. It takes faith to exercise this kind of joy. Because see, some of us, our joy is dependent totally on what? Circumstances. Absolutely. Life is good, I'm good. Life is bad, I'm bad. My attitude's bad. Paul's saying, look, no matter what, I'm going to walk in joy because we're walking this road together. We're walking in unity. The light of the Lord is shining in us and through us to a dark generation. The picture of unity. The church. The purpose? To shine like stars in the night. The promise? The outcome? Is joy. So you may be looking at your life right now. This, we could just take this just for one second personally and say, I got no joy in my life. Okay, let's back up and look at possibly some explanations. Could it be that you're not experiencing joy because you're not walking in unity with people around you? Or maybe it's because you've become, um, I don't want to say a complainer. I don't want to put that on you. But maybe the words you've spoken have not been words of life. And instead of looking at at the joy of life, you've looked at the lack of life, and 
dwelt and meditated on that, and that door for the enemy had just entered you to say, you deserve better than this. I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for this place. And what I'd like to do is just look forward based on this picture that we are to be united in him and the, the purpose that comes as a result of it, of shining like stars and the outcome of joy as a people. What, what can we do in the days ahead as fullness specifically? And so I want to give you three things I believe God has given me to emphasize in the days ahead. The first is this. I believe God wants us to strengthen our connections. To strengthen our connections. We must walk in unity. We must. Listen, I, I'm convinced culture is not going to get better in general. I, I, I don't have like a prophetic word. I'm, not, I'm more a teacher than a prophet. But everything in me senses that culture is not going to get better. Therefore, we have to walk in unity together. We have to strengthen our connections. Ephesians 4, and I'm going to quote from Ephesians on some of these, it says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is how many bodies? One body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. <clears throat> I, if you're a guest here, just thank you for being here. We're so glad you're here. Um, I, I, I really, you'll get a picture of what we believe about church in the moments ahead. If you're a regular attender of fullness or a member, please listen carefully. There's an enemy who is trying to destroy us. Now, I'm, I'm not saying he's trying to destroy us because we're so special. I, that's just the way the enemy works. His job is to accuse one of us to another of us. Why? So that he can destroy the bond of peace. So that he can destroy our unity. If he can destroy our unity, we won't be a picture, we won't be fulfilling our purpose, and we won't be walking in joy. Therefore, the enemy is out to do these things to us. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Therefore, we're to make, what, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. We have to work to strengthen our connections. We are to love God and love people, especially to love one another. Let me just say this. You're, you're going to disagree with me on stuff. I'm going to say stuff at times where you're going to disagree. You, you, I, 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 could say, I could say the sky is blue today. And you'll say, you know, it's really cloudy. Okay, great. Do we need to sever our connections over whether the sky is blue or cloudy? But some people, we've gotten to that point of divisiveness where everything is... Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go to that church anymore. He said the sky was blue. I, I know I'm being facetious, but in the overall scope of things, most of the things we argue about are about that significant.
but we need to love each other. I love you even if you think the sky's cloudy. I may be wrong, but it's not a matter. It, see, it's that attitude I know that, that divides us. How are we going to strengthen our connections? It's not by coming to church more on Sunday morning. Do you know all the latest statistics? I've read some stuff over the past two weeks. The most committed people in a church today, an evangelical church, will come to church 1.8 times a month. I'm talking about all possible meetings. 1.8 times a month. That's less than two times somebody who says they are highly committed to any congregation will go to that church. And here I am about to ask you not only to come to church on Sunday morning, but to get engaged in a small group. Become part of an E3 group. I'm asking you to do what even the church culture of today doesn't do. I know we're busy. I know we have soccer games. I know we have um, school. We have this. We have that. But if we're going to strengthen our connections, at some point we've got to spend time together. Hello? I mean, don't, we've got to be together. And here's why. I'm going to give you a theological and a practical reason. Everybody still love me at this point? Um, <laughs> fullness was never designed to be a staff-driven church. Never. From day one, our design was that our staff, whatever we had, and at the time it was just me. Uh, when we first started 24 years ago, I was the only staff, was to equip God's people for works of ministry. My job is to equip you to minister to one another, to minister life. And I'm afraid over the years, and I have to confess that I've gotten, I've, I feel like I've missed the mark in helping the staff and you to understand their job is to equip you. So that now, when staff changes happen, people are looking and saying, what are we going to do? Who's going to do the work of ministry to people around? Who's going who's to fill Rich or Andrea's or whoever's job now that they're gone? People, their job was not to do it for you, ever, ever. And I, it is my fault. It is, the responsibility is on me that I haven't encouraged them to equip you better. And so we are in the days ahead going to do a better job of equipping you to minister to each other. But to do that, we got to be part of small groups. We've got to be part of an E3 group. If you want pastoral care in the days ahead, you need to be a part of an E3 group. I mean, what... I know there are things that go outside the bonds of that. There are things that can't always be handled, but we've got to strengthen our connect. Okay, do you still love me? We've got to strengthen our connections. So you may, okay, well, what is our staff going to do? Well, here's what they're doing. Scott is still overseeing our youth. He's going to teach them and equip them to minister better to each other. Scott is going to oversee our three, E3 groups. He's going to really continue to pour into the leaders 
and help them help you. So he's going to do. We're bringing Kathy on on a full-time basis starting June the 1st to be the, uh, the uh, family pastor. And, but she's not going to pastor your family. She's going to equip you to pastor your family. She's going to work on marriages. She's going to uh, help oversee what Andre has already started strongly, which is a, a women's team that oversees the women's ministry. She's going to work with them and facilitate them. She's going to oversee everything that has to do with family, including children, except we've asked that Kathy step out of leading the children's church on a weekly basis because she hasn't been in church in over over 10 years. I can't even remember how many years. And so our elders have asked, and I agree, and would like for her to be back in here with us. So we're going to be looking for you to step up and to step into children's church and to help lead children's church. Now, we could go out and pay somebody to do it. Hello? That's what a lot of places do, but I believe every gift that God has for us is here. And I'm not asking you to do it. I'm asking you to discover what God has placed within you already. Because I want you placed where God wants you. But Kathy's going to oversee family and ministry. Mitch is going to continue to equip our worship team to lead us in worship. And he, he helps Larry and Pat with facilities. Larry is going to continue to be the great administrator that he is. He's also going to help facilitate men's ministry. And I say facilitate because he's not going to lead it. He's going to facilitate us together doing it. Let me re review the passage that we read together this morning. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, that's the word ministry, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's the goal. We're going we're gonna to strive toward maturity. We get our name from here, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Why? Because the body of Christ is doing the works of service, the works of ministry, loving one another, ministering life to one another. So, strengthen our connections. Oh, there's another line there. All right. And second thing is we're going to deepen our worship. We're going to deepen our worship. We are a worshiping community. Again, I'm going back to some of the foundations. From day one, our vision was this. We're to worship God in spirit and in truth with everything that we are. Spirit and truth. These great, powerful streams coming together. And so, it is my desire that wor worship become even for us to delve deeper. I, I think we're going to spend all eternity delving deeper into worship of God. Why not start now? Why not start now? I, I have maybe, what, 10 years of ministry left? Let's go with that. Let's go with the positives uh, in. I'm 58 now. Let's say I'm still pastor here in 10 years at 68. 
I desire for our worship to reflect the glory of the gospel in a way that affects our lives at an even greater way. We are unashamedly, unashamedly a church that believes in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We're charismatic. But at the same time, we believe fully in the truth of God's word. We believe that God's word is truth. And so there are some things I think we can do in worship that will deepen our worship. You may be saying, well, what, what does that look like? Just it, don't panic. It's not like I'm throwing, it's, we're going to be who we are. But I think there's some things we could do. You may have noticed we've started reading together scripture together publicly, saying it together. I, I want to do that more. I, I'm more convinced that worship is a dialogue with God where he speaks and we respond. He speaks, we respond. And I, I want to weave that into how, how do we, for instance, is it possible for a charismatic church to confess together I mean, is it, can we do that? I'm not talking about becoming, you know, somebody, whatever, you fill in the blank. But just adding depth to our worship. Because, see, here's my conviction. Jesus is not my boyfriend. Jesus is my Savior. And I want us to reflect the glory of the gospel on a continual basis. I mean, I, I'm very stirred about this, and I hope... You will be too. As in unity, we walk it together to deepen our worship. And then finally, to lengthen our outreach. If we're going to shine like stars in a dark world, then people should be looking. The, Jesus said, people are going to know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. And if we really are walking in unity, our connections are strong, we're worshiping God together, then his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. How, how does the world, how do rulers and authorities know that Jesus is who he says he is? His intent was that now, through the church, his purpose would be made known. Listen, by the power of God, we have the opportunity to show and shine our light to a dark world. And I, I'm asking us each to open our eyes to see the possibilities of, of shining to the world around us. The glory and good news of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, several years ago, Clark Witten came and spoke at our church, and Clark, when he was younger, was leading a, a church out in um, New Mexico, and he got his church rallied around the purpose of winning the lost to Christ. And in one year, they saw over 1,200 people come to know the Lord and baptize them in this small town in New Mexico. And... He was really on fire about it. And he tells the story how he'd go out witnessing. And one night he went out witnessing and 
he'd gotten really good at this witnessing thing, and he was sharing his, he was witnessing to this guy with this other guy, and uh, the, the first guy that they're witnessing to confesses faith in Jesus, prays a prayer. Clark's feeling all, you know, we got one tonight. Went home. The guy he was with calls him the next morning and says, hey, pastor, have you seen today's paper? Clark goes, no, I haven't seen today's paper. He said, you might want to take a glance at it. <laughs> the guy that they had just won to Christ, right after they won to Christ, he went and robbed a 7-Eleven. And the, the guy that was with Clark said, hey, pastor, um, could it be that we had nothing to do, uh, God had nothing to do with winning that guy to Jesus, that that was all about us? Listen, I, I'm not trying to motivate you to go out and win some. I'm saying if you shine like stars against a dark night, people cannot help but be drawn to the good news of Jesus Christ. And then you'll have the opportunity to share. We have tons of opportunities to minister in the city around us. I, I, I want you to discover your purpose in the Lord and then your passion for sharing it with the world and then get engaged somewhere. Last week, Rick Morton was here and shared with you about Lifeline, about adoption, about foster parenting, about different opportunities. There's that. This summer, we are gonna, uh, we're doing Alpha at uh, Kings Ranch and Chelsea uh, for high school students. We need table leaders to go and help with Alpha throughout the summer on Tuesday nights. If you'd like to get engaged with that, see Monica Walker and become a part of that. It's a 12-week commitment, nine-week commitment. Even better, it's nine weeks that you can be a part of it. There are other ministries that we're engaged with that you can get involved with if that's your passion. And so we want to help see you shine somewhere. And some of that will never come into fullness, so to speak, but some will. You understand? I'm not looking to build a big church, people. If, if we were, we would have done this totally different. <laughs> you may be thinking, well, what do we do different? Doesn't matter. We would have done it different. <laughs> that was never our goal. Our goal was to be God's kingdom representative here. And to do what God has called us to do, and that's what we're asking of you as well. I believe this. I believe as we move forward in the days ahead, if we're going to be that picture of unity that in purpose shines like stars and walking in joy, then, then we will be strong together. We will have a worship life that's vital and deep. And we will be, as a result, shining to the world around us. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. This is my prayer, people. I'm praying it with Paul, and please pray it with me. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do all of this and immeasurably more according to his power that is at work within you. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's why I speak that blessing over us every week. Every week since we started the church. So that we'll know the love of Christ and the power of the Spirit and the fullness of God. And that we'll not only know it, but that we'll share it with the world around us. And when we do, we can do even immeasurably more than anything we could ever imagine. Lord, I thank you. Stand up with me if you would. Lord, I thank you and I bless you and I praise you. You are a great God and greatly to be praised. And I thank you for who you are. Lord, I, I believe that today there are people here who need to come to know Jesus for the first time in their life, who need to know the, the lordship of Jesus. I believe there are people here today who know Jesus as Lord and they need, to, they need to confess and agree, Lord, that they've allowed their, their hearts to be robbed. And instead of walking in joy, they've walked in, in negativity or even complaining. And Lord, I pray for all of us that we will turn from that to to being a people of joy. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us who are part of fullness discover how you've gifted us and made us and equipped us for these works of service, of ministry, so that we can be all that you desire, so that the body of Christ can be built up. Spirit of God, just minister life, minister truth. We thank you, Lord. Ministry teams, if you would come to the front. Mitch is going to sing a song over us. As he sings it, I'm going to ask if you need prayer this morning. Maybe something I've said has stirred something up within you and you believe you need prayer this morning. Go to one of these ministry teams and get prayer. Maybe you're here and you need healing. You need freedom. You need the lifting of a burden. You need to confess something to someone. Maybe the person that you need to confess to is here and you'd like to go and speak with them and pray with them. That's biblical. Take a moment and do it. I know it's uncomfortable. It might be a little odd, but they'll love you and God will do amazing things. Maybe you just need somebody to pray with you for a moment. As Mitch leads us, whatever you need right now, these ministry teams are here to serve you and to minister life to you. So come and receive what he has for you in the moments ahead.